Good evening, I'm Seth. And I'm Scott. And this is Track Walking. Uh, this week, I'm going to lead the show. Um, we're doing, it's off season now. So we're yes. going to do uh, not, maybe not our official off season um, show, which I think we'll do at some point, but yeah. a show where we talk about off season things. Because our official off season show will get into the whole off season on we thing. And this is more like, we're still motivated. Beginning of the off season, we're still motivated. I, still I'm just mo- now taking apart my car. Yeah. I haven't like actually off seasoned yet um, because it doesn't off season never happens here in Texas. But I'm going to try to emotionally get into the state of mind. So, as this part sure. of the off season thing, we're going to talk about we're, we're going to sort of do the beginning of the off season where you're still a super motivated human and you you want to be better for next year and you want your car to be better and you want to be a better driver and um, you need to do these things because the assumption is that everyone else that you race with is also doing these and they're going to come back next year and they're going to be faster and you have to be faster just to keep up. That's a, that's a lot that you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Am I right? I, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Okay. So, Let's divide this into uh, a car thing and a person thing. What do you want to do first? I, I love that you're you're being the organized one this week. This is a, this is a nice change of pace for me. Cool, cool. I mean, you have to make the choice though. We're going to do car car okay. betterment first or person betterment. Um, let's talk about car or sorry, person. Person, person, driver. Oh, I see how you could get those two confused. Driver, people. Yeah. So driver. So we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the driver. This is the off season for the driver. Um, yeah. And unlike cars, with a driver, you you don't have. You're away from your car. So the tool that you use to drive fast um, in the off season in most parts of the world is not available to you. Um, it's on jack stands because it's snowing and it's cold and all the tracks are closed. And and so you have to figure out how to make yourself a better driver without actually driving. Okay. Which is a trick, right? It's, yeah. I mean, there are some things I think you can do, but yeah, you're, uh, my car is not going anywhere anytime soon. Okay. So what do you think, what do you think you can do well i think the the thing that's in the zeitgeist the most and the thing that i see more and more people every year joining are the sim leagues getting okay. a simulator rig i, I agree with in, that whether it's whether it's vr whether it's single panel triple panel motion like i don't know all that stuff but it is a thing for sure. And the the shutdown earlier this year definitely accelerated that that process for a lot of people, I think. Having said that, uh, neither you or I have those. No. <laughs> not to say I don't want one, but I do not have one though. Okay, so the first thing you could thought you could think of is something you don't have in arguably probably aren't going to use because you don't have right okay that's terrible advice then scott yes <laughs> well it's ter- <laughs> terrible advice for me i mean terrible it's... advice for you okay so so what but i what think advice... it's it, i think they're very helpful to people right um to to practice the visuals to practice the awareness to practice um just the way you come off a brake pedal, even if it's different, uh, the you know your steering input speeds, even if it feels different. Like these right. are all things that are great to practice. So, do you think you can? If let's say we don't have a sim, because you don't have a sim, I don't have a sim. Do you think we can practice those things? in a car, in a non-competition environment, in a way that's productive? Um, Brake, braking, yes. Okay. Um, And it's something, oddly, my dad had me do 
when I was a, but a wee boy uh, growing up in the middle of Indiana. Um, that never made sense to me, and I always just did it. And then I heard Ross Bentley talk about it as something that you can do <laughs> okay. to get better at brake release. And I was like, huh, I guess I'd just kind of been doing that, which is um, to when you come up to a stop sign or a stop light, um, the way we apply the brake on the street versus track are is probably the single most different way that you drive between the two is your brake application uh, on the street it's very gradual and it increases and on the racetrack it's very steep very immediate and then it tapers off towards the end and so one thing that uh, I do and something that you can practice is as you're approaching a stop sign stoplight whatever it is and you are the car is about to come to a standstill is you want to release the brake pedal so that you can't feel when the car actually comes to a stop okay um it's a lot trickier than you think um but it's it's great practice and if nothing else again you're practicing the awareness of what you're doing as you're coming off the brake pedal so that's that's one little exercise you can do Weirdly, that's what I do. I've never heard that before. That's kind of how I break anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a snow belt uh, part of that. When I moved to Texas, I was freaked out by the abruptness that people came up to stop signs. They just sort yeah. of held the brake down until the car stopped. And so people right. would, yeah, they just kind of like go up and then, yeah, they would stop. And, and you could watch the car rock. And coming from someplace where it snowed, that that's terrible behavior because because when there's snow on the ground you don't really know what the traction conditions are going to be right everything is sort of a little bit of a mystery especially near a stop sign where you can have a road that is otherwise yeah okay grippy but is super mm -hmm. icy right by the stop sign i don't know if you experienced that in that 16 17 year old age where the yes. the brakes don't lock up until you're right by the stop sign and yes. then you get that ice that's built up from people. And so what I learned to do, because I may have slid through a stop sign or two learning, mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. to... Yeah, to, years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Was to treat that last three or four car lengths as as someplace where I needed to have very little brake pressure. Um, not that I needed to be going super slowly because there's different aspects of that. You can still be slowing down with a little bit of brake pressure but um so that's naturally how i drive only because of my my formative years spent in snow and i've tried to to pass that on to my kids um who are learning how to drive in not snow obviously in texas but then my two oldest kids have moved uh, up north to iowa and michigan to go to, to college and are going to to need to learn that or need to apply that thing that I tried to teach them. So that's going to be, uh, as a parent, that's going to be interesting to wait and see how that works out for them. Sure. Um, what do you think what? about? So, so as we're let's let's stay with breaking. Breaking was actually three on my list, but since we're here, I made oh. a list. I I figured I, you'd be proud. I want to hear your list so badly. Okay, so I I made a list. Three is on my three is breaking, but you brought it up first, so let's roll with it. So, okay. um. I would argue that the hardest part of braking is not applying the brakes, but releasing them in a way that doesn't upset the car. Yes. Um, and I feel like this is something that you can practice on the street, preferably with nobody else around. Like when it's just... You, the more rural a place you live, the more this applies. Because I don't like people to do anything around other people when they're you know like with the exception of some of like the eye drills and things like that if you if you do any car dynamic drills you should definitely not do them around people you should definitely not be exceeding the limits of traction you know all of those things and this comes from my years of autocross instructing and telling people you know you can go home and try this but for the love of god don't come near the limit of traction so um like you were saying as you come up to a stop sign and you're trying to stop with 
like have the car come to a stop easily. There's also, as you have the brakes applied fairly firmly, you can consciously lift up half pressure, sort of still be braking, but not be braking all the way. And dynamically, Mm. you can feel what that does to a car. So you can play with pedal release on the street. Um, you can do things where you brake fairly quickly and then just lift off the pedal and feel what the car does dynamically and be braking fairly fairly firmly and then release the brakes gently. Almost nobody that I've tried to instruct at, at the beginning, nobody at the beginning level, but even almost nobody at the intermediate level knows how their brake release affects the car. It's just something they're they're just not conscious of. It's something they've never paid attention to. It's never been part of their their vocabulary as they speak to the car and as the car speaks back to them. And so that's one of those things that I try. The more track driving I do, the more I become aware of it and become aware of how important that is. And so try to, it's one of those exercises I would give to people and say, go play with brake release and feel what it does. You know, brake yeah. release upsets the car as much as brake application does. Um, yeah. And most people don't realize that. They can feel like if you go from zero brake to to threshold braking, the car pitches violently. And everybody knows that because we play with that the very, you know, the first times we do performance driving. But the reverse, going from threshold braking to zero braking causes the car to pitch almost as violently. Yes. Um, and yeah, most you can pe- you can create more G's in brake release than you can in accelerating the car. Yeah. Um, in that, in most people aren't aware of that, and I think that's one of the things that that's one of the few driving dynamics things that you can safely sort of experiment with if you can find a stretch of road that nobody else is on, that you can sort of just go out and dink around with something and do it safely. Um, I don't know. You can tell me I'm wrong and nobody should ever do this and I'm giving horrible advice. No, but. no that's, that's one common thing I tell nearly all of the people that I coach is that I am completely and utterly unconcerned and unimpressed with where you start breaking. I will, I tell them that I will never ever tell you to break later, to start breaking later. Wherever you begin to break, cool, totally fine with. What I'm far more concerned with is where you start releasing the break. And that at the beginner level is usually about all that they can handle for the most part, right. is where they start releasing the break. Because you can break at the two really really hard or you can break at the five really softly and you'll get to the same speed at the same place so that's at at that level of driver education and learning it's just things are happening too quickly you're you're concerned with with things that could harm you re- could harm you more easily than it can help you. Right. And so I'm far more concerned with, um, at the beginner level, where they start releasing the brake pedal. And yeah, going into the intermediates, then we kind of start at least being more aware of how quickly um, or how slowly you come off the brake and in what different types of corners that's better in, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that's something you can work on in the off season? I mean, are you conscious of braking style when you're driving a streetcar? Um, when I want to be. Okay. Um, but it's for me, it's more of on the street. I can't really use it the same way that I can on a track. I can work on being aware of it and of how sensitive my foot is. Um, but when you're track driving, you're using the brake to steer the car effectively right. on entry, on most corners anyway. And you really need, you can certainly feel 
how that's different in a street car, but you really need to be close to the limit of grip right. to feel how that affects the car. And again, safety wise for other people more than more than it is for you. Um, I, I'm not sure that's something you can safely do on the street. Do you ever play with uh, mild left foot braking just to experience what it feels like to to do that, to have a foot that doesn't know about braking be the breaker? Yeah, I have on occasion, and uh, it is a light switch. Um, it would take a lot of time and a lot of efforts. Probably one of the reasons I'm not a very good carter Um is my on and off left left foot uh, it's very difficult for me to to be smooth with it so o- only on occasion but that's something you could theoretically you could work on for sure um it just as is one of those there's nothing else for me to do for for three months um yeah an interesting <laughs> game to try right because it's a, right. it's a little bit like learning learning to left foot brake is a little bit like learning to brake a car from scratch when you're 15 years old and yeah. you've never driven before and you know the the driver's instructor or your parent next to you says okay now push on the brake and you do you push on the brake and almost inevitably it goes badly you because you yeah. don't have a reference for brake pressure right um and even if you've been driving for for 20 or 30 years if you've never used your left foot brake to car left foot to brake the car same thing happens yep um it's a pretty interesting uh interesting experiment if anybody wants to try that just to to get a feel for again do this without other people around cuz otherwise you're the guy who doesn't know how to use the brakes um it, it it's interesting. Um, whether or not left foot braking is actually useful is is hotly debated, um, especially amongst front wheel drive guys. Um, well, and it it was always always the example I used is when I was a teenager. Um, I drove a lot of neons when I was a teenager. I love I love and, neons. And sometimes I'd be in a manual. Sometimes I'd be in an automatic. And oftentimes I would forget. And so if you want to experience <laughs> brake pressure like you would uh, disengaging the clutch, because the automatics usually have that double wide pedal, right? which generally is right about where the edge of the clutch would be, I've gone to, uh, to push the clutch pedal in and I grab the brake because that's all there is. And boy, just get a real shock. <laughs> I still will do that occasionally, just switching from my car to my truck. If I'm, if my brain yeah. is somewhere else, I'll go to, you know, when I pull in the neighborhood, I'll go to push in the clutch, but my truck doesn't have a clutch. But put your face in the steering wheel. Yeah. So. Um, All right. So that's, that's breaking stuff. What, what else breaking. is that's, on your, your okay. list? Okay. So we're going to go backwards then. Okay. So number two on my list was, mm. uh, was hands. And hands mm. encompasses a whole bunch of things. Um, okay. I think that people um, don't give enough credence to appropriate body position and hand position in a car. It's one of the few sports at the at the amateur level where we're where we're just like, oh yeah, just kind of like do it the way, you know, roughly the way you want to. Do it how you're comfortable. Although there, there certainly is pressure to on almost everybody to move forward a little bit. Um, it, at the amateur level, there's a huge, huge range in seating positions. Yep. But at the professional level, there's not. Uh, yep. most, most pros sit in a car in a very similar way. And I think that tells us something about the right way to sit in a car and the right way to use our hands and arms to drive a car. What do you think? Yeah. Um, one of the first things that I do try to do with all of um, the people I coach is to have them sit in the car and show me their seating position. Um, now, it's 
going to be a little different if you've got manual steering versus power steering. Right. Um, manual steering, especially if you're on and more of an endurance race, you're going to want to be super close because your arms are just going to get tired the farther you sit. Um, but that aside, ideally, kind of the metric I use is that I want you to be able to fully put your wrist on the very top of the steering wheel without having to bend forward at all. This will ensure that if if and when things go sideways, you can reach the steering wheel very easily at any angle with any hand placement. And this does generally uh, fit into that one you wanting to have your upper and your lower arm at a 90 degree angle with your hands at the nine and three position pretty well. Um, most almost everybody universally sits f- much too far away, and even my seating position in the Miata is about probably a solid inch farther away than I'd like it to be. I was going to ask that because I sort of thought that when I've seen you in your car, that it's like I think I, I still think you're too far away. Yeah, I part of it for me is. Um, is I wanted to get my feet in the proper position because pedals are a little bit more difficult to to adjust. So I set the seat up around my feet and then um, had the steering wheel spacer um, that I ordered with my quick release and everything like that to bring the steering wheel closer to me. And I might be buying a different offset steering wheel to bring it a little bring bit. It again. In your streetcar, do you ever play with your seating position? Not once I set it, um, because unfortunately streetcars, and I've been seeing this trend more and more, and this I'll keep this rant very short, is the distance between the pedals and the steering wheel in more modern cars has gotten shorter and shorter. Right. And so I find, especially for me who has very long legs, Um, this to be fairly undesirable uh, in terms of comfort and kind of control. So what I definitely have to just go with it. I set it so that my feet are at the proper position. Uh, My daily driver does have a telescoping steering wheel, so I pulled it out as far as it will go. Um, But my hands ideally are still too far away for that. What do you think about people playing with it? I mean, just the... I think most people are like like you in the fact that they're like, no, I know what the right position is. And they never move the seat again. Um, Learning and trying new things is never going to be a bad thing in the right circumstances. Yeah, I mean, we've got the time. Yeah, you know, it's off yeah, your right? Yeah, your, your legs might be scrunched a little bit, but... Yeah, have the have the steering wheel in your lap. Um, what ca- what can you do better? Right. What what can't you do better? Yeah, I always I always tell people a good experiment with that is to to change the seating position by by a fair by a fair amount. You know, change it by like two inches or something, something that's pretty sure. significant, and yes. then go drive in and out of a parking lot. Because oh, that's lots of turning, lots of turning, lots of moving your head and your legs and, and all of everything that you do is sort of magnified at parking lot speeds. Um, yeah, I like that. And that's a it's a good it's a good low speed thing. The other thing is when we haven't talked about yet hand position, everybody who probably everybody who listens to the show knows the whole, you know, your hands should be on the wheel and they shouldn't be leaving the wheel. Um like we're not doing shuffle steering and we're not doing that nonsense unless the world has gone exceptionally pear-shaped. Um, and then we tend right. to revert to whatever muscle memory habits we have. But um, when I'm teaching people autocrossing, I say try turning into your driveway. Try turning into a parking lot and not letting go of the steering wheel. 
it's a completely different different thing no nobody almost nobody does that in real life and part of it's because no. a lot of times you have to turn the wheel farther to do that but there are things you can change with corner shape and and it just it, it's dynamically sure. it's it's much much different than than how we're used to driving so how how we drive daily and how we drive on a track is actually quite a bit different yes and the more the playing games to consciously bring your track driving bring the muscle memory from track driving into your daily driving um in the appropriate situations um sort of that all of a sudden you've got the seat position right you've got your your hands right you know usually your elbows are actually are even in a slightly different position when you're track driving your hands on the wheel grip the wheel differently and sort of like get into the track mindset and then turn into the grocery store i like that um i like that and usually when I can convince people to do that um, between autocrosses that are a month apart or just just that sort of thing, and when I do it myself, when I can convince, convince my kids to do that when I'm teaching them to drive, they'll, in a month's time, they will change how they autocross um, if they can be diligent in that because part of it is because we drive i think because the way we drive the way you drive to and from work the way you drive to and from the store is different enough in a race car um you don't practice the muscle memory that you need on the track um so everything is different uh everything's different in race car everything's always going to be slightly different in race car but the more time you've spent using the muscles in a particular way the more natural that will feel the more fluid it will feel um, and, and a lot and of that's had, just putting your, your head in the right place to do it. Sure. And we've had the lesser of the experiences in that we've both driven our race cars on the street before. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I drive our race car to and from the track. We go to fast food restaurants. We go to... Uh, gas stations we go to you know all these places and turning into a gas station in a manual rack miata with almost seven degrees of caster in it um it's 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 an experience um and i find that my body and my mind gets into a different like i notice on the street that i'm holding the wheel differently than i would in my daily that i'm using my eyes differently. I'm, I'm almost in a different mode if I'm in the race car, even if it is on the street versus my daily driver when I'm on the street as well. Right. So the lesson there is drive your race car on the street. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, I, I do every day. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's sort of a, a way to, to, I don't know, I'm trying to say here, but, but you can... There's a lot of stuff you can do with body position and hand position and sure. and activating that part of your brain that activates those muscles that you can practice getting your your hands and your arms and your body into into the groove so you will so when you get in a race car it doesn't immediately feel foreign and weird and wrong it feels yep. more natural um, because we never yep. get as we never get as much track time as we want nobody gets as much track time as they want and so um we can sort of cheat that a little bit um the more we can activate and and sim racing does that too right that's that's a way of cheating cheating our our brains into learning things that they can't learn normally you couldn't learn outside the car and now you can learn outside the car okay so So that's hands hands so we've done brake hands What's number one? This is one? actually going to work really well because breakings are feet. We're going to move up and we do hands. Mm. We're going to move up one more and what are we going to do? We're going to talk better. Talk more better. <laughs> no, that's that's the psychology. That's like fixing our brains. <laughs> no, uh, this is going to be eyes. Yeah. Eyes, eyes, how you, how you use your eyes and how you activate your vision at different depths is arguably the biggest safety factor um and performance factor but i think the the bigger thing is safety factor in in driving cars fast on track yes um and i haven't I think, been as 
as uh, consistent with that this year as I have been in the past. But if typically if you happen to see me around my car before a race or qualifying session or something like that, you're seeing me do a whole lot of weird things. Um, And one of them is trying to uh, better activate my vision before a session. What do you do? Um, well, besides my, my physical warmups, um, I do the, uh, kind of periphery check where you, you look straight forward and you bring your hands out to the sides as far as you can okay. to help your, to help you see both peripheries at the same time better. And you do that vertically as well. Um, and then you can pick out something in the very near field and the, you know, two to three foot range, then something in the 15 to 20 foot range, then something in the 40 foot range, and then something in like the 500 foot range. I usually like to have four, um, four depths and you go back and forth, kind of be random and just see how quickly you can focus on each, on each one. Um, I've got contacts and pretty poor eyesight. Um, so sometimes I have to block out one eye to, <laughs> for a moment to kind of retrain my eyes. Like, oh yeah, nope. I need both my eyes to focus. Um, and then once I do that, everything's fine. Um, and then, yeah. Do you ever apply any of that stuff, like consciously apply it to to street driving to to try to activate some of those same exercises when you're street driving? Very rarely. Uh, That's probably something I can and probably should do more. So one of the things I do, and I've tried to to teach students and my kids to do, but I I try to remind myself to do this, is, is... I pull into the, I shop at a local Walmart Walmart, and I pull into the back of the parking lot. So I try to pull in and watch where I'm like the, the lane I'm driving in while simultaneously being aware of what's happening at the front of the store. Because the front of the store in, in the reason I do that is because one of the most valuable things I was taught by a very good instructor was to look across the track. So there's a lot of tracks where there there are at least three or four spots where you're able to look all the way across the track and see something that's happening half a track away. Sometimes it's just two or three corners ahead. Sometimes it's half a track away. And whenever you have an opportunity to look at a far away part of the track and understand what's going on, you become a safer driver. Interesting. Um especially when you can look ahead like three corners. You have one of those times where you're like coming down a hill and and you need to look at the bottom of the hill, but there's a lot of times because you're coming down a hill, you're up high and you can actually see three corners ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And most people focus at the bottom of the hill. And, and that's arguably, a, you know, that's where the majority of your attention needs to be. But if you can't see what's happening three corners ahead of you, you're missing a huge piece of information. Um. And so that actually opened up my driving a tremendous amount. And so I've tried to, to come up with, with different exercises that simulate that. And the, my favorite one is, happens to be, you know, as I enter a store parking lot from one side, what's happening on the other side of it? Um, are people walking out of the front of the store? And you just take a quick glance, you know, as you would, you'd, you're driving down a hill and you look up and you kind of, you just over that that fraction of a second that you look up focus on the far side of the track and you instantly grab all that information and then you're back to the hill you look at the front of the store and you go is there somebody waiting for their grandma to come out of the store is there somebody pushing a cart out of the store and you try to grab all that information very quickly um as you're still driving safely well i think this and almost everything we're talking about like yeah, we're talking about brake pedal. We're talking about hand positioning and ergonomics. We're talking about vision, but we're also talking about perception. Right. And the ability to be aware of these things. 
you know, and vision, I think this came to mind because vision, I think is the most clear example of it is you're literally trying to perceive more visually uh, as you use your periphery, as you're looking off a little bit to the left, you can also still see what's in your far right periphery if you become aware of it. Right. And the reason to talk about this at this time of year is we've got, we literally have three months where yep. where we can either, I mean, we'll focus, we're just about ready to talk about the car and all the awesome things you're mm. clearly going to do to your car. Clearly. Um, but, but we spend hours and hours and hours and hours of time in this three months inside a motor vehicle. And if we can use a, a tiny piece of that to really become more aware as drivers or just become aware of the things we need to become aware of it immediately helps us step into the new driving season in a state of mind where we we haven't just taken three months off i like it um and so i think that's an i i really do think that's a very important off-season thing to do to keep to keep those parts of your mind activated, to keep the, the perception parts of your mind activated, to keep aware of braking. If nothing else, the, the, the braking in a race car is different. And so like feel how your car talks to you under braking. And then when you get in a race car, it talks to you different, but you've been aware of, you've been at least aware of the conversation. It hasn't all been on autopilot. And you know, at some point when you're on the freeway, and you're just going to make a completely 100% normal pass. You know, you're going to like signal two blinkers, move over one lane to the left, you know, go around somebody and come back. Have your brain treat it like it's a race pass. And so you're aware of the guy in front of you, your closing speed, who's behind you in the mirror. You know, all of those things that you're you're aware of anyway because you're you're a safe driver. But like activate your brain as if it is a race pass situation. Where you're coming up on somebody, you move out, you go past them, you're aware of everything, you know, and then you're back online. And so, like, you play these little Safe, games. Safely, safely, and with a little bit more distance, probably. Right, yeah, but I mean, yes. you're not, you're not, so the, the distances are different, but it's, but it's, you can trick your brain into activating those same concentration centers in very safe situations. Um, I think um, I've, I've certainly had students who have done that and, and have shown significant improvement with it. I try to keep myself active with that fairly continually. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I consciously will will play race car driver like like, you know, watching my mirrors in a very active way. Normally on the on the road, I'm I'm checking my mirrors all the time anyway. But it's passive. I don't think about it, right? I I mm-hmm. know, I know where all the cars are around me without consciously doing it. When I'm on track, I'm much more active at watching my mirrors. Um, it's a completely different mindset, and I can turn that mindset on when I'm on the road. Um, it's also a little bit exhausting to activate that part of your brain. Well, it takes more effort for sure. It take it takes more effort. Um, but you can switch back and forth between those two modes. Um, and I think being aware that they're different helps you, helps you do that shifting, that code shifting to between streetcar guy and race car guy. There you go. There's so your I think those uh, off, are, those are off season homework stuff. So that's just like, uh, you know, being a better version of you when you get back on the track. I like it. So I what it. are you, what you're, now we're going to talk about Mostly Scott's car, because I don't think I'm going to do anything with my car this year. <laughs> Scott. Actually, I am, but I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get to the thing I'm going to do with my car after we talk about yours, because yours is way more interesting. Yeah. Off-season. we got to make our car better, because if we, if we can't pick up a second, everybody else will pick up a second, and that's like losing a second. Yeah. Um, see, I'm tempted to go into the whole psychology of that whole thing and if that's even a, a rational pursuit or not and I'll just focus on the car um, <laughs> so there's the there's a whole thing of you know there are different ways to be faster you can become a better driver or you can improve the car to make it faster um, 
ways to make speed, you can add power, you can um, decrease stopping distances, you can add aerodynamics or mechanical grip to make it corner faster, and uh, levitation, I guess, um, but that's probably not realistic. Uh, t one of our mutual friends had the great idea of, of adding rocket boosters because it's not, not allowed in the rules and it's very hard to replicate on a dyno as it turns out. Ah, uh, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, not happening, but um, yeah, really for my car, so the development with our car since I got it um, has been methodical and slow to, uh, for a very specific reason. For me, um, and this is very different from a lot of cars that I see, the first thing I did was safety. Um, I added a full roll cage because I kind of knew more or less where it was going. Seats, uh, FIA seats, six-point harnesses, Hans device, um, kind of, you know, fire extinguisher. I haven't added the uh, suppression system yet. Um, and especially, we are recording this the day after uh, Grosjean yeah. in Formula One had a pretty horrific yet miraculous crash that he was able to walk away from. That wasn't even and, pretty uh, horrific. That was genuinely horrific. Um, and uh, I'm buying uh, Nomex underwear <laughs> before next season for I sure. Am, I am definitely buying a Nomex uh, balaclava, um, which is the only yep. thing that I don't really use. Um, I don't have Nomex underwear on, and and you know, considering mostly everything I do is DE level stuff, I'm not that worried about it. But watch, you know, I I counted from the time. He hit the barrier and his car burst into flames to when he crawled out. And I counted to 20. I counted 23. Yeah. It's and, and there's no way. Like, if you have any exposed skin, which you do, if you're not wearing a balaclava, you do around your neck, um, you know, around your neck and your 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 lower cheeks and all that stuff that's in, in the helmet, you've got... I mean, you immediately burn in those temperatures. It's not even a matter of how many seconds do you have. You immediately burn. And the fact that he posted pictures from the hospital today, and it's essentially only his hands that are burned, is mind-blowing. Yeah. And um, a lot of those kind of burns, actually, um, it it's almost less fire exposure from the outside and more that's just hot enough that the sweat on right. your skin boils. Right. And that's... And it's hard to have two layers uh, on your hands yeah. because, you know, you want the feel, you want all that stuff. Um, but for me, it was safety had to come first. I was a, uh, a father of a toddler I love dearly, um, and I'm very aware of how unsafe cars can be, even under the best of circumstances. And just something I just wanted to take seriously straight off the bat. And um, something I think um, the culture I drive with at Grid Life is slowly, a bit slower than I'd like, but um, taking more, more time and taking it a little bit more seriously. And I think GLTC has helped that culture, uh, seeing a bunch yeah. of drivers in full suits and full gear. It's cool, um, but it's also super hot. It's not convenient, but even if I'm driving a student's car, I don't drive cars without my suit, my shoes, my balaclava, and my helmet. Occasionally I'll drive without my gloves, but that's a rarity anymore. I just, I don't, it actually feels weird if I'm not in all of that anymore. So that was the first thing I did. Um, the suspension was stock, um, engine was stock, and I made sure I had adequate brakes. That's really it. Um, brakes are another thing kind of on the hierarchy, the, the pyramid. 
that I always right. worked with. Uh, you always want to be sure that you can stop. You know, if you add grip, if you add power, you're going to have to increase your car's ability to stop. And whatever that looks like, if it's um, if it's better pads, larger rotors, um, better caliper, whatever that may be, um, better cooling, always, always worth it. It's always worth it to get a your brakes cooled correctly and buy the best brake fluid that you can afford because you will never not you'll never be sad you have really good brake fluid um so brakes were something and then kind of once i started I certainly wasn't extracting 100% out of the stock suspension, but I definitely knew the ways in which the stock suspension was keeping me from progressing as a driver um, and certainly in lap times as well. So suspension was next up on the list, just the ability to control the car better. And I left it stock suspension for longer than uh, most most cars I see when they first show up to the track have coilovers, have springs, shocks, things like that. I kept mine stuck because I really wanted to learn the friction circle and how that felt. And I don't think there's much better way to feel that than in a very softly sprung um, car that's very oh. rolly. Miatas because, move a lot. A lot of people yeah. people who drive Miatas forget that stock Miatas move a lot. Hilarious and good fun. Yeah, it, it really is. It's a it's a very neat time. Um yeah. and and you know, talking about abrupt brake release, you can feel that if you're in a car that is sprung very softly. The right. car will lurch lurch forward and you will feel it and the grip yes you'll feel afterwards but almost less than the grip it's the physical feeling of having the nose kick up on you right that helps that ingrain you before you take a lot of that feel and feedback away and just kind of narrow that band so suspension was next um bushings i think are underrated if you're if you're going to do nice coilovers and you're still on really soft, basic rubber, um, I, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm sure there are arguments for why you might want to keep that. But feel has on, always Is your car in spherical's yet? Uh, Delrin, which okay. is a step under spherical's. Uh, okay. Spherical's are on my list, um, but as long as it's a street-driven car, I'm gonna stay away from them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I would I would definitely recommend good bushings, whatever that may be, um, whether it's polyurethane, polyurethane with bronze inserts, Delrin spherical's, um, the liquid-filled, hardened rubber, whatever it is. I would definitely recommend you taking a good look at that. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of blabbing, but for me is trying to increase the connection that the car has with you. We talked about ergonomics being very important. I always underrated how much a seat um, played into the amount of feedback you could get from the car. Uh, we talked with Tiffany Kelly about that, actually. Right. Um, I'm not sure. Is this coming out before or after? This might be coming out before her, so there's a preview for you. Um, yeah, steering wheel size, um, brake pedal, not covers, but like the screw, the bolt on brake pedal. If you need to add a little bit to the throttle so that you can heel and toe better, that's an important thing to do. Can you reach the shifter well enough? Um, just all those little things to help you feel what the tires under you are doing better. 
is important. And so for me, the things I'm doing to the car, I'm adding a, uh, a digital dash uh, so that I can better monitor uh, my gauges and can do more data logging. Uh, that's kind of on the back end, but just being able to see what's happening at the car at a quicker glance in one okay. place is going to be Are really you hoping nice. To, the primary part of that is hoping to prevent like massive explosion death things? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gen general fireball things I'd like to avoid. You'd like keep the rods inside the motor and that sort of stuff? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I've never been very happy with my side mirror, so I... I have a brand new convex mirror that I purchased. Um, it's that typical like formula looking mirror, but I okay. found one that's much larger than the really tiny ones I see a whole lot of. And in wheel to wheel racing, I need to see as much as possible. <laughs> uh, makes me feel better and certainly uh, helps me be more aware of who's around me. Um, and a lot of maintenance. <laughs> yeah. A whole lot of maintenance. So. You, maintenance because things are broken, because things might be broken. Um, what's your, what's your, what's your overriding philosophy as you go into the, the season as far as maintenance goes? Yeah, I, I definitely want to see, make sure everything is working as it should. Um, because as much as Becky and I do, daily checks uh, you just can't inspect every inch of it like you normally could you can see big problems uh, but sometimes once you see big problems it's a little late so I'm going to be disassembling the entire suspension system uh, taking a look at all the control arms all the mounting points kind of cleaning them up re-greasing them being sure that the uh, bushings have free range of motion so then move nice and easily and uh yeah with me the maintenance and checking over the car has always been a trust thing for me okay i need to be sure the car is in good shape so that i can trust it because if i if i have a little bit of self-doubt in the car um i just i know mentally i won't be able to drive it as hard or as well as i could if I didn't have to worry about it. It's that little bit of bandwidth I can add into being more aware and driving You just spend better. too much time trying to like hear bad things or feel bad things? Not all the time. Okay. But some of the time. <laughs> okay. I And I know that, that I've had cars like that where, I, where all of a sudden one thing feels weird and it can destroy my whole lap because all, because from that point for at least the rest of the lap, a part of my focus is trying to figure out what that weirdness was. Yeah, it's getting that, better for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, a lot of it too for us was just in the whole motor swap, like all the sounds were different. Right. Um, just nothing, nothing sounded, nothing felt the same. Uh, all I knew is I was going fast. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's basically, and there, I think there's a relationship between um, car development and driver development. I think you can be a really good driver and extract nearly 100% out of a slow car. But if you have a really great, really fast car and you put a beginner level driver in it, um, bad things are probably going to happen. So you, I don't think it's ideal to have a car that is so much quote unquote better than you are that it's actually going to hinder your development as a driver. Right. I think your car has to be just in that kind of Goldilocks zone. It has to be just a little bit better than you and has to communicate well enough with where you are in your driver development to help you be aware of what the car is doing and what it can be doing better 
but still help you develop as a driver. Do you think beginner and in intermediate drivers as as a whole are capable of doing that themselves or are they focusing on the wrong things? I think this is where the community uh, really comes in. Generally, what I see is um, most students I see are a little too eager to modify their cars to make them faster rather than focusing on what they can do as a driver. Um, I, I like to see drivers and beginner and probably even an intermediate on 300 treadwear tires. They move around more under you. You can feel what they're doing a little bit better. Um, same with suspension. I'd rather see it a little bit soft, softer sprung. Uh, I'd like to see the power a little bit lower, um, you know, as you're developing as a driver. Okay. That was, yeah, I, I, I mirror that thought process a little bit that in general the the sport attracts um, car guys and not drivers most people yeah. l most people like cars coming coming into the sport really like cars and they're knowledgeable about cars and they want to be fast in a car and a good what point. they don't realize is they they entered a sport that is more about driving than about the car um mm -hmm. and it takes it frequently takes a couple years to to shift that that thought process around um i think if we ever get uh, pete Lindbergh on the show he will tell you that it took him he, and he's right there right now he's got his new honda fit and he's like i'm gonna just put uh, some sort of shock under it so it doesn't want to roll itself over and then we're done i'm just gonna drive it yep. and it took him a while um took him three or four years to really come around to the fact that he that he needs a platform that is safe and reliable on track and then he just needs to drive it as much as possible yeah. um and and i'm and pete will listen to this i'm totally calling him out on that because i think he's done an exceptional job getting to a position where he says i want to become a good driver and that's pretty independent of the car. Sure. Um, yeah. And I'm actually very proud of him um, over the, especially the last two or three years watching him develop as a driver has been, has been really neat and um, has mirrored a couple other people where they keep getting in slower and slower and slower cars, the more advanced they become as a driver, um, which is an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, and one thing we didn't dive into, but one thing I think is going to demand its own podcast is data. Yeah. And I think utilizing data earlier in your driving development is better. Yeah. As long as it's done in the right way. Um, so that's, we can I mean, talk, that's an interesting, I, it's an interesting off-season thing too, because... Sure. Um, learning about you don't even have to buy anything but just learning about data and what other people are doing with it um and what data is capable of showing you is is an important thing because most people don't understand that um i always tell people you know everything is a lie except data um you're lying to yourself your instructor's lying yeah. to you everything's a lie and the only thing that's real is data um because people will tell me all the time. I'm, I'm like, well, you know, you, you, if you do this going into the corner, it'll, it'll improve this. So like, I am doing that. I mean, A, I though? could tell you weren't. But B, if we put data on the car, you know, the, the, at least the data will show that you're a liar. Sure. Um, and we lie to ourselves all the time. Um, we've talked about that before. But, but data's um, never been more accessible. Um, oh yeah, so it's so, so relatively least, so cheap right now. And there are four platforms I can think of off the top of my head, not to mention all the sensors and so many great consultants out there, right? Um, who can help you figure that out? But we are also into this thing for an hour. Are we really? Yeah. I feel like we didn't get anywhere. <laughs> oh, we didn't um, even dive. We didn't even like psychologically break anything down. Uh, I'm so disappointed. 
I know. We it's just a like very ta- we talked logically for an hour. It's terrible. Very nuts and butts. Nuts and yeah. butts. Okay. Nuts and butts. No, um, that's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> nuts and bolts episode here. Jeez, a pee, man. My gaffs are getting bad. Um, yeah. Well, uh, let us know what. What are the first things, what do you tend to focus on? Do you tend to focus on driver development, driver training, or do you tend to like to buy new shiny stuff um, for the car, which... Yeah, shiny stuff is cool. It's so cool when it shows up in boxes. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, what, what what has your story been like, uh... Did you start with a highly modified car and work your way backwards? Did you do it the other way around? What have you learned? What have you found uh, over your uh, driving career? So we we had a, like we had a long off season. We had a lot to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, if you could could chime in with uh, with Facebook or Instagram comments and let us know where you're going, how you're thinking as yep. you head into the off season, we'll definitely incorporate that into future off season shows. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Track Walking Podcast, part of the tracktune.com brother and sister uh, podcast family. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for this week. Uh, we've, we're getting uh, more interviews scheduled and uh, lined up right now. We're pretty excited about what's coming up in the future. So uh, I'll let you do the outro because you did the intro too. All right. So. I'm Seth. And I'm Scott. And we are track walking. We'll see you next week. Take care.